You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. You're listening to MSE. I'm Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning in and Happy New Year. In today's show, you're going to hear from a professional trader getting an outlook for 2024. Joining me is Nick Santiago from InTheMoneyStocks.com. Nick, welcome back onto the show for the monthly check-in. Before we talk about 2024, let's look back at 2023. What did you get most right about 2023 and what did you get most wrong? Well, there were a few things. So 2023, I was really looking for the markets to break down, uh, specifically in the month of March. And we did get that breakdown and then we had a big, big reversal back to the upside. So thank goodness I understand technical analysis as I was able to uh, guide my members and say, hey, if we hit this number here, watch for a bounce. If it holds, maybe it turns into something more. Never knowing that the central bankers were going to do what we call a stealth QE in March of 2023 when you had three bank failures take place in the United States. So um, that was something I did right, even though I got the call wrong, as I thought we were going to get a much bigger, more severe breakdown in March. But we did get a breakdown, and then the markets reversed higher. And this is why it's so important, Bill, to really to understand charts and to know how to use technical analysis and to learn how all these patterns form and to find the different levels that the market shows you. Because had I not known that, I probably would have, um, you know, been on the short side, stayed short, and got my head handed to me as the markets, you know, reversed higher and rallied up into late July. Which also I got that right as well, and I was able to tell my members at that point in time, late July, August top, and we'll probably go down into uh, mid to late October, which is exactly what we did. And through the cycle work that I've done with my members, advanced cycles course. Um, we were able to even say October 27th should be a pivotal date for a reversal. And that happened not knowing that Jay Powell would pivot later on in December. So it was a good year overall for um, directional changes. Um, there were some mishaps as always. You know, you're going to get some stocks wrong. Most of the stocks that I get stopped out of are usually due to earnings because I just don't hold stocks into earnings. So if I'm down on the, in, in the trade before the earnings announcement, I just take the loss. And I step aside because I, I never know uh, what's going to happen after the earnings announcement. You've mentioned the silver trade you did a good on in 2023. Was that your most profitable trade of last year? That was one of the most profitable trades. Uh, this year, I had some good options trades that were very, very good. But last year with the silver trade, and that's really my style is to catch um, bottoms in specific groups. And then I trade the whole industry. So last year I had, you know, in 2023 with that, uh, in 2022, exact, excuse me, um, we had a, a really, really good move in silver. We caught the silver bottom and we were able to trade um, that in the options. I think we made over 200% options, 40 plus percent in silver itself. I bought silver bullion back then, which is still very nicely in the money. And I, I think we had another big silver trade coming up in 2024, but we'll, we'll wait before we get to that one, I guess. So you look at the charts to make your decisions on buying and sells. A chart is a backward looking uh, endeavor. So how do you forecast what you expect in 2024 if you're looking backwards at the charts to make your decisions? Because there are points on the chart which will show you where the institutions took action. And that's who moves markets. It's not the individual. I hate to say it. It's not me, not the mom and pop at home. It, it, it's not. It's the institutions and whoever they may be. It could be, you know, 
uh, a central bank, it could be JP Morgan, it could be a bunch of different hedge funds, but it's institutional money, institutional crowds that move equities. And what you do with, with charts, you watch these certain patterns. And when these patterns um, either consolidate or perhaps retrace or fall into certain levels, you look back on the chart and you say, well, what happened in the past um, is likely to happen again in the future. It's nothing new under this sun in the trading world as well as in the Bible. And um, you look at those patterns and that's where you try to execute. And I've had, you know, a lot of good calls um, and some not so good, but, you know, generally when they're based off of these certain uh, parameters, chart parameters, they're usually pretty good. So what are the cycles saying? You you, you apply WD GAN's approach. Uh, what do you see for 2024? Well, 2024 is usually a positive year. So I know we're getting, you know, a lot of chatter out there and a lot of predictions looking for, you know, the world to crater this year and stocks to go down. But that not that isn't necessarily the case. We had a big run up in late 2023. A lot of that was, you know, Fed induced. And, you know, we need to work that off a little bit. Um, but the market now this year will go into more of uh, of what I would say a sideways drift for a little bit. And then you'll get big rallies as well as some sell offs. So but it, it shouldn't be a year like we had last year. Yet last year was kind of exceptional with the money printing, with the stealth QE, with the promising of lowering rates, even though that hasn't happened yet, but the market works forward. It looks forward. It's always anticipating on what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of people are looking for yields to um, plunge. I'm not looking for that. I don't think yields on the 10-year are going much below 3.7. If anything, 3.5% would be the, the floor. So you know we're not going to see that happen, um, but a lot of people are expecting that. So it's going to be one of these years where it won't be as dramatic as 2023 was. But you know you have a lot of, of wild cards out here. You have very high debt levels. Uh, I believe debt now is 34 trillion. That's a big negative. You have an election that's coming up that could be chaos, right? So uh, this could be a very chaotic election year as well. Um, so you have some black swans out there, perhaps. But um, overall, I, I, I think we're just going to get a lot of back and back and forth type action. And you know, you just got to be able to be a trader this year and be able to pick those off when those opportunities do come on the long side as well as the short side. Okay, so I'm going to read into what you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong. Last year, you said, if you don't know what you're doing as a trader, stay out of the markets. Are you saying it could be a little more consistent? So even if you're not the most experienced, you might have opportunities to do a little better in 2024. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get as dramatic of the moves like we had last year. Last year, I mean, they, these were some fast uh, gyrations, both up and down that really started in um, you know the beginning of 2022. That's where the, the we had our, our that's where I had my GAN cycle peak. And I gave the members, uh, bullseye members at that point in time, I said tech will top out the third, fourth week of November. The S P would top out on the first week of, of uh January. And that's exactly what happened in twenty twenty two. Now here we are two years later. Um, things have changed a lot. You got a lot more money back into the system, the central banks um have, you know, uh become a lot more dovish as opposed to being hawkish like they are. And, and that's what moves the markets really is just liquidity. So if there's liquidity in the system, you don't want to be so bearish. If there is uh, liquidity being removed, that's when you want to be, you know, you want to get bearish. So right now I, I got to say, I, I'm not very bearish this market. Is there a singular biggest risk for 2024 that you see? Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there are several. Uh, one we mentioned already with the election, that is certainly a big, big risk. And if by some chance you have wars, uh, say China going into Taiwan, that's really a bad, bad scenario because that will bring back inflation. Wars are terrible in, in general, but just uh, that the fact that that will bring back inflation, unlike we've seen in the last two years. So, um, you know, then the Fed, what do they do? They have to raise rates. So that would change the uh, the landscape quite a bit. And I think wars in general are inflationary. We are in war cycle period where we're going to have wars going on for the next, you know, 10 years probably. So I would be very careful there. But if you do get a, a China-Taiwan scenario, I think that's a real big negative. So you're not concerned about a financial risk in the collapse of the system, at least for 2024? No, no. that We still have some time before that happens. That's going to happen, though. But we have some time before that takes place. So, um, you know, right now, that's that's not on the horizon this year. Not to say that it can't. Anything can happen. I, I would never rule out. I'm not, uh, you know... Like I said, I'm in the interpretation business these days, not the prediction business. So I'm just going to watch the charts and, and go along with what the patterns tell me. As you look back to previous years and you interpret the best trades in Q1, is there anything you can extrapolate for what you're planning to do in Q1 of this year? Yeah, Q1 is going to be a little bit tricky because we had the big, big run up going into the end of the year. Powell did the big uh, turnaround pivot where he got dovish in you know, mid-December. So um we had such a big run up. You have to work off that excess. So, you know, right now I do think we'll probably still get uh, somewhat of a January effect, but it won't be as as big as most people um, would have normally expected because you had a lot of that run up already take place uh, towards the latter part of 23. Um, now we'll wait for, you know, a pullback and, you know, you watch the chart patterns. And I, I think the first quarter of this year is going to be a little lackluster. I don't think it's going to be anything all that dramatic. What I like to do and everybody does is, you know, they use this dog of the Dow theory where you go and pick out last year's Dow losers and those will be the big winners. You know, that might be a strategy to apply this year in the beginning of the first half. Um, you know, I, I like stocks that are beaten down that haven't run. I think those um, could make moves. The Russell 2000 has had a big run already. That could be something on a pullback that would be interesting. So there's going to be opportunities there. You're going to have to be a little bit selective. Uh, at least during the first quarter of this year. What are you seeing in the small cap sector? Do you see a flow of funds picking up in this regard? Oh, small caps made a huge recovery at the uh, at the end of last year, November and December. I mean, it was just a, a big, big reversal. And when you get a reversal like that, it usually isn't over. Um, you know, you'll, you'll normally get another move, but we need to retrace probably almost 50% of that move before you could look at the small caps again. They're, they're just too strong, um, you know, uh, going into the end of the year, or you get some sort of sideways consolidation pattern for uh, a month or two, and then that could set up for another small cap move. So I do think the small caps can participate again. I just wouldn't chase them at this level. What commodities are you eyeing up? Well, gold, obviously. But, but you wanted, you have a target for that though, right? 1800, uh, 18 handle? <laughs> no, 16, 1600 16, handle. Sorry, 16. Yeah, 1600 handle would definitely be a buying opportunity for gold. Gold could break out though. If gold breaks out, you close above 2100 on a monthly basis, gold probably breaks out already. You won't, won't even test that number. But um, you get anything or any any gold level, you know, eight, eight, 1650, 1675, I would just jump all over gold. You know, don't even hesitate on it. That's, that's really the golden goose level. You know, 
couple of years ago, I was looking for 1450 to 1500. So, you know, we never got down there. And the way gold is acting right now, it's stronger than silver. It's acting really well. Um, you get above 2100, but you need a monthly close, Bill. If you don't have that monthly close, it could be a fake out like it was in November and even a fake out like it was in early December. So, you know, make sure you wait for that. These, these chart patterns work. You have to wait for these closing prints to take place. What about grains? Are you in grains at all? I'm in wheat. I'm in wheat right now. I'm going to stay in wheat for a long time. I think it's putting in a major bottom. My guess is that, you know, when you go into war, um, Gan used to say, you know, wheat is is usually the place to be. And I don't see wars ending, unfortunately. I, I hate to say it like that. I'm not a, a guy that is a fan of wars. And I don't like to profit off something like that. But, you know, wheat's, wheat's low here. I mean, it's really low. And you should start to see a move up now as we get into the new year. Nick, when you see news like uh, what came out of Boeing with the decompression, and so then all the 737 maxes were grounded, Boeing stocks sold off. As a trader, you look at that. Do you try to profit off of maybe a bounce back or do you short down? How do you how do you do that? Yeah, it, it'll definitely be a, a trade opportunity soon in Boeing on, off that news because the stock had such a big sell off on on the uh, on on the news. Um, but yeah, you, you look for that. Everything, everything retraces. It doesn't matter what the catalyst is to cause it to decline. Unfortunately, you know, fortunately nobody was hurt in this Boeing incident. That's a real blessing, but you know, there's always opportunities. I look for opportunities like that. That's what I, I strive for to see when there's a big news event, something gets hit. I go back and again, Bill, I look back on the chart and I, I look backwards and I say, all right, where did the institutions defend this equity? And when it retrenches or retraces enough, that's where you get back in a stock like Boeing. I haven't worked out the levels yet on it, but I'll, I'll probably get on that shortly and I'll be looking at it. But um, yeah, that that's an opportunity. There's no question about it. And that's how you would use headlines then, right? To give you a lead to study if you want to make a trade. Always, always. I look for the biggest movers of the day every single day. I want to see what's down the most. I want to see um, what's up the most. And I, I want to see if that move happened with volume and if that stock trades a million shares a day. If it trades a million shares a day, I'm pretty good at finding a level for it. So I'll, I'll go snooping around and I'll find out and I'll just wait. You know, I, a lot of, I have notebooks full of equities. I just wait for those levels. When those levels come in there, as long as the pattern is not broken, I jump right on those names. And that's what I prefer to do. That's what I like to do. I never, ever pay up for stocks, ever. All right, my last question. We're only four and a half trading days into the new year, but what was your best trade so far? Well, I have nothing on right now except oil. I do own some oil right now. Um, the long or I, the short side? Long, I'm long. Oh. I'm long. I'm long oil, and I've been in oil, and I've already taken first half off the table. So I got into this trade, you know, last month. I already took the first half off, and I haven't put anything new on. It just hasn't, you know, been an opportunity. Markets were too high. So, you know, I might get stopped out of my oil trade. It's not looking so, so, so tough. And as you know, I'm not an ultra bull on oil. I'm just, it's just a trade here. I ultimately think oil, if it breaks these lows, is going to $55 where I will be getting more heavily invested in that uh, commodity. But right now I have an oil trade on and I'm already in the money and I already took first half off the table. So I'm playing with the house's money. And, and that's really it. I have a uh, Franco Nevada FNV. I have call options on that. And um, there just hasn't been a lot to do because the markets have been so overbought in so many different areas. So I look for things that are a little bit distressed. And um, if I could find a good level there, I'll get into that. 
I own some Bristol Myers calls. I like that right now. I think that's a equity that was $80 now in the fifties. So I, I like that one. Um, I like that actually longer term too. So, you know, that's what I'll be looking at going, you know, I have a little list here, but the first week, month of January is always very tricky because you got a lot of selling pressure coming in for people that didn't want to take um, capital gains in 2023. So they may sell, you know, you see you pull back in tech now, right? So you, you'll you'll get a lot of uh, of different nuances take place in that first uh, three to four weeks. And after that, things start to normalize and you get back into the charts. And, you know, in a few weeks we have earnings coming up. So um, that'll be something after earnings to look at some opportunities there as well. All right, I apologize. My last question wasn't my last. This will be my last question. So you mentioned staying on the sidelines and that patience that you require, how you have to, you've talked previously, how you have to control the emotions of greed and fear. Now, as a news, not a newsletter writer, but someone that offers a trading service, do you feel a little pressure like you got to come up with a trade or how easily can you and your members and your members not put pressure on you for a trade to where you say, hey guys, there's nothing this week for us to do? I always tell them that, that, you know, you wait for the setup on the chart. Don't ever force anything. Um, but I always give levels out on different, you know, I cover so much in the market bill from, you know, I'll, I'll cover not only will I talk about the NASDAQ or the NASDAQ 100, but I'll cover, you know, a half a dozen stocks in the NASDAQ every night. I'll cover, you know, 10 or 12 transport stocks every night. I'll cover bond yields and bonds every night. I'll cover, you know, uh, natural gas, oil. Um, a bunch of other commodities, you know, so I'm always giving them, you know, different opportunities. But yeah, I mean, everybody, especially it's not so much the veterans, but it's the new people. They always want to get into a million trades. They always want action. And you don't want to be that kind of person. You want to be in the right trade at the right time. Like I said, you know, I'll use a silver example because that was such a good play. But we did so many silver stocks. We bought call options on so many of them. You know, early in December, uh, or even I should say, even in November, you know, we had a lot of good call option plays because we knew the market was going to turn. So I like to catch the turning points, and that's where I put my trades on. Markets like this, I'm not looking to do a lot unless it is a really, you know, perfect scenario. So yeah, you know, when you get a little bit more experience, you're going to want to, you know, practice practice being patient and wait for the setups to appear. If they're not there. So just, just wait it out. There's, there's no rush, you know. But some people need to make money all the time. That's what day trading is for. You could always make some good money every day. There's opportunities there. But when it comes to swing trading or position trading, which is longer term, you want to wait for the opportunities on the charts. And if you're not patient, honestly, you're just giving your money away to the market. Good advice. Nick's website is inthemoneystocks.com. Go learn about his service there if you're interested and you like what you heard. Nick, always appreciate your insights and we'll touch base in about 30 days. That was good, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks.
The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances、uh, where there was the possibility—certainly not the certainty—but the possibility of ten for one returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks, and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector, and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident, and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because、um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met, you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors, and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own. Thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature, and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.